And uh, we, cannot, we cannot ignore end-time prophecy. It's there. Uh, if you don't really affirm end-time prophecy, then don't read Revelation. Uh, that's part of the Bible. And so what's going on today, I think we really need to, not only as Christians, but also that we need to, as Christians, to be about the business of people that are, are on the fence that uh, aren't aware what's going on in our world today from a biblical perspective. Uh, that's our business, is to proclaim the gospel in our own way to, uh, to people, uh, through our actions or whatever it is. And it's, I think it's important. I was just talking to Christy a, little, a couple of minutes ago, and I think that there's a veil that has been uh, spread across our land of not listening and hearing and, uh, and, uh, and looking at the signs of the end time, what's going on. God is doing something. I think very, very uh, profoundly he's doing something, and people need to wake up. They need to wake up and see what's going on. And as Christians, we're called to be the alarm clock in so many ways and to just kind of share with people as we go along. It's important that we do this. So we've talked about socialism a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we talked about globalism uh, last Sunday. And so this Sunday, we're going to be talking about the pandemic and uh, what the Bible says about these, uh, you know, plagues or pandemics or uh, whatever you want to call them. Uh, uh, but he has a lot to say about these things. And then next week, we're going to be looking at the economy and to what's happening in the economy versus what the Bible says about the economy today. Then we're going to be looking at uh, cancel culture. We're going to be looking at, then we're going to be looking down the road at, uh, at the church today, uh, what's happening in the church today as the Bible speaks about the end times and the church, etc. So th that, that, doesn't all this sound exciting? Well, Chris is exciting. This is, this is exciting stuff because I know that years ago, I'd, I'd want my pastor to be talking about these things because I think it is so, so important uh, that we do and hopefully to enhance our faith. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for who you are and for your love. And I pray, Lord, that you just bless us now as we come together to um, listen to your word. I pray that your words will be my words, Lord. I pray that the anointing of your spirit will fall upon me to preach this message for your glory and your honor. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Can you remember when the COVID first hit? Remember, it started off with the rumors, well, this virus is, is coming around, it's spreading, et cetera, et cetera. Now, can you remember where you were when it really hit? When all of a sudden, the government, everybody started being in a panic about COVID-19, coronavirus. We were just coming back from, in early March of that year, uh, we were coming back from uh, Florida visiting my brother when that's when they put the, uh, the quarantine in effect. Remember, so we had the quarantine, things were shutting down, and then lo and behold, something horrible was happening throughout our country, the toilet paper crisis. <laughs> then everybody's kind of hoarding the toilet paper. So that's when you really know, you know, where does that fit in the Bible? I haven't found that one yet, but we had that. 
you know, going on. That happened. And then, then we saw, unfortunately, all these hospitals were just, just overflowing with patients. And then we had images of doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals wearing special dress, outer dress, to prevent themselves from being what? You know, from, from contagious patients. And then one after another, it seemed like systematically, our country started to shut down and our churches, one after another after another. Then the debates, when do we reopen? Waiting for the guidelines, etc. For months and weeks, months, months, and months, things were shut down in churches. So we went to the screen for our church and what have you. And I don't believe at this point our countries have and churches have ever recovered from the shutdown. Many people still would rather be at home in the convenience of the home than be in a church. And really. What would Jesus say about that? You know, the church and the faith is based on relationships. We need each other. We need the hands-on, the face-to-face. We need that. Not that we can't get other teachings, but at the end of the day, the church, Jesus', Jesus church is so, so important. The coronavirus pandemic is without a doubt, the most contagious virus that has ravaged our earth in this century. How many people have lost their lives because of this virus? Thousands. I think we were, what, over 700 in our country alone, you know, at this point. And this virus has caused division. It has caused uncertainty. It has caused criticism across our land and, and around the world, really, from, from education. Look what's going on today with education. And it's all related to what? The virus. So we have, socially, it's, it's been a problem for us. If we look at the, econ- you know, the economy, we're going to talk about that next week. Mentally, more people are depressed now than ever before. You know, and, and suicides are up. And, you know, there's probably other factors there as well, but it's all kind of tied in also to what we're talking about today. Spiritually, we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks uh, how, how so many people have fallen away from church. So many people have fallen away from the faith. And, of course, politically, we could talk all day on that one and the conflicts we see, and we see the mandates we have mandates for mandates. And how uh, should we, you know, people that are not, um, you know, vaccinated, you know, are, are losing their jobs because of that. It just goes on and on and on. Not to mention, not to mention the division we have with the scientific world. They can't even agree. You know, you hear all these different scenarios and different ideas about, about this virus. Isn't it amazing, or to me, I find it very interesting, how can a society, a basically of educated, smart people, be so duped? We have fears out there that are not rational. And it just seems like Satan's in there, and he's just scrambling things up more and more. 
Ah, but this doesn't come to a surprise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And amen. And yet this pandemic is not over. It just, it's like a bad movie. It just doesn't end. Then one thing leads to another to another. So we're in what they call a pandemic. What is a pandemic? Well, people have different opinions about what a pandemic is. But if you look at the, in the dictionary or whatever, a pandemic, it basically is a virus or whatever that spreads over, over the whole entire population. Now, an epidemic or a, a plague or a pestilence, that is really is more limited to a certain geographical areas, locations. So there is a difference. This, that's why this is called a pandemic. Okay, now, uh, there are many scriptures that address how God used plagues or pestilence to accomplish his sovereign plans. And you look at the book of Exodus, for example. If you go to Exodus chapter 3, no, no, chapter 7, 8, 9, and 11, then we see how, how God used various plagues against the Egyptians. You know, you have, you have the plague of blood, of the plague of, of frogs, the plague of livestock, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts, the plague of, of the, the firstborn. It's there. Now, we want to further look at what the Bible says about these things. So my first point, that was just the intro. My first point is, what does the Bible say about the pandemic or plagues? We're going to be looking at Romans 8, 18 through 21. Romans 8, 18 through 21. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory of that, we, that will be re- revealed in us. The creation waits in, in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. As Christians, we know that we live in a fallen world. And as Christians, we also understand that, that, that sufferings, that Jesus' sufferings are for our behalf. Jesus suffered and died for what? A fallen world. We also, therefore, understand that creation is subjected to bondage, to decay, to natural disasters, diseases, plagues, accidents, and so on. But this, but we need to understand here, this is not to say that all these things are God-driven. They're not. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard through the years as a pastor or just as a Christian, people will walk away from the faith because of bad things have happened. I can't believe and I can't worship a God when he allowed this horrible situation to happen. I can't follow a God that will allow such pain and tragedy. Why would God do this? Why would God do that? Well, hey, we live in a fallen world. You know, when people come to me, they say, why this? Why? You know, I can't give a big theological dissertation on pain and suffering, but at the end of the day, 
We live in a fallen world. We may, a lot of accidents happen out of our own stupidity. They do. I'm not seeing all, but they, you know, so that's part of it. But also, also, there's another part of this. And it comes from Job uh, 2, chapter 2, verse 7. He says, so Satan went out from the presence of God and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Sometimes we are confronted with life-shaking calamities because we're battling the enemy of the unseen world. And we talked about that, didn't we? We talked about spiritual warfare. So you have a mixture of so many things going on with all these things that are happening. You have Satan gets in there and he twists the knife. He causes situations. We have natural disasters, et cetera, et cetera. Now, maybe you don't agree with me, but not everything is on Satan. We live in a fallen world, period. Consequences are going to happen that aren't good. So, as a Christian, we have good days, we have bad days. As you think I was talking to Kate about that a little bit earlier, you know, about, you know, sometimes we have bad days, don't we? Diane knows that. You know, she's had some good days, then she has a lot of bad days. That's what happens sometimes in life. But for whatever his reasons, God allows these things to happen. That's going to be one of my questions when I see our Lord and Savior face to face. What about this? What about that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Sometimes we don't know. And if there's one pastor on this earth that has all those answers, please come and let us know, inform us how that all works. It is what it is. Amen? Okay, we're not too excited here, are we? Okay, okay, we're trying number two. Let's try to see if this helps out. Where do, you, where do we go from here? We're going to Matthew 24, 1 through 14. Now, this is really special because when you look at this, it's called the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is coming before his disciples and he lays out the whole plan throughout history leading up to the end times and everything in between. And it's interesting that some of you probably know this. So, and that is that the very spot where Jesus uh, talked with his disciples, now I'll bet that's the, that's the same spot that was predicted in Zechariah, I think it's 14.4, that when Jesus returns again, he's going to be in that same spot. You can't make this up. Isn't that amazing when you stop and think about it? So let's go through these verses, shall we? Jesus left the temple and was walking away from his disciples when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the, and the end of the age? Jesus answered, 
Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Let me stop here and remind us that these conversations that we're talking of Jesus coming again must be done so with humility and caution. I repeat, humility and caution. Jesus himself said he didn't know he didn't know the day or time of his coming again. So therefore we shouldn't try setting dates and times when Jesus is coming back. But we seem to do that. It seems like modern day prophets, some of them, not all, I'm not saying, I don't want people to get mad and say, no, we're talking about all prophets. And and theologians, they just can't, they can't resist getting into times and dates. They can't. And through the years, many people have been blindsided by these people that are predicting when Jesus is coming again based on their understanding of Scripture. And it never happened. This afternoon, my friends, after the Bears game, we're all going to go down to the Fox River when gathered there on the banks and wait for Jesus to return. Do you believe it? That is false prophecy. And that kind of stuff is out there all the time. Everybody's got an idea. They got inside what God's saying about this. Really? Really? When anybody says to me, well, God said this. I know this is going to happen because he told me, he told me. He didn't tell Jesus. So he's telling you, why should I believe you? I want to believe Jesus. I want to believe what the word says, not what you say. Or what I say to you this morning, check it out with the word of God. There needs to be balance with this. And that balance is being lost by bad theology. So, not to say I have all the answers, but I'm telling you, I'm going by the word of God. I might miss something in the word. You catch me on that. But I'm sticking with the script. I'm sticking with the Bible and what the Bible says about all of these things. That's how, I believe that's so important. We need to do that. False prophecy, friends. That's what we're talking about. But ours should be an eschatology, like that word, should be an eschatology of hope and enthusiastic enthusiasm 
an expectation as we learn from these biblical end-time prophecies about Jesus coming again and about the end times and all of those wonderful, exciting events that are going to happen. Amen? So, let's get into the verses here a little bit, okay? And we're going to do some homework here, so you guys are going to participate with me. We're going to start out again with verse 3. The, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked him three questions. When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And, of course, the end part of that, and the end of the age. Before Jesus went into details, he cautioned them in verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we forget these little verses that Jesus throws out. Watch out that no one deceives you. And he's saying that about us today, some, what, two, 3,000 years later. Like the disciples, our understanding of end-time prophecy is limited. No matter how many years you study this and study it, your knowledge and understanding is limited. But Jesus was giving them a timeline of history of events from where they were, right on that mount with Jesus, to the end times, and everything, everything in between. Again, the end of this age, you know, we need to be very careful not to try to predict. So, however, what we do have in these verses are clear signs that Jesus is coming again. We have clear signs that one day he's going he's gonna to come down and he's going to take us with him. We're going to talk about the rapture as well. How many of you are very familiar with the rapture? Are you very familiar? I'm not very familiar because I never experienced it yet. Then I'll be very, very familiar. So anyway, so let's go and look at this a little closely and know that, that these are signs. Remember, Jesus laid it all out. We don't have to go to all these commentaries or whatever. You don't have to go to the doctor of, of New Testament theology at a seminary to know all these things. Jesus laid it all out very, very, very carefully. Now, this is where you need to be alert. I want you to think, we're going to go through these verses, and th I want you to think about this. When we talk about this verse or whatever, we glance over it, do you think it applies to our day or not? Fair enough? Does it apply or not? Go to verses 4 and 5. Many will come and claim to be the what? The Christ. Many will come and many will deceive. If you look through the history, our history and biblical history, are we still waiting for all that deception? I don't know. See, you have to answer that yourself. This is not about me. It's about what you think. I'm not trying to influence you, but what you think. Okay, verses 6 through 8. They'll be rumors, wars and rumors of wars. And there'll be conflict between the nations. There'll be famines and earthquakes around the globe. Okay, what do you think? I'm Sam Becker. I'm thinking, look, and I say, well, listen, there have been famines and earthquakes throughout 
you know, throughout our time. And they are, seem to me, though, they're increasing now than ever before across the globe. But that's just me. And then there would be the appearance of false what? Prophets. You have your phones? Start popping up prophecies. You used to pop, start popping up prophecies. And, and to me, I'm not into the Internet like you guys are. But when I am, I can pop up a lot of these prophecies. People are predicting all these things are going to happen. They're everywhere. Now, I'm not saying they're all bad, but a lot of them are. They're false. They're not true. And then you have in verse 9, it says there'll be severe persecution of believers. Now, we've seen through the ages where Christians have been persecuted, but that's going to be ramped up because then we're getting into tri tribulation period. That persecution is going to be ramped up. And then this is the one I think that really uh, I really thought about, and that is verses 10 through 11. There will be, be many backsliders. I love the word backslide. There be many people that are turned away from the faith. That is happening today in spades. You look at any, any study, go to Barna. He's the best in terms of these things. And you'll find what I say is absolutely true. You people are an absolute minority being in church. More people are backing away from church. They're backing away from the Bible they're, because what they're doing is they're making the Bible more of a social gospel and getting away from the truth of the word. That is fact. And then, of course, we have the birth pains. Jesus said, you know, when these are coming, I'm telling you, you're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel it. You'll know. And then he goes into verse, what am I? I went 10, 11, 12, is how about increased wickedness? Do you see increased wickedness in this world? I do. I see it in our own country. I see it when I, when I read about abortions. Wicked. That's ugly stuff. Where are we? 13 and 14. Okay. Now we're coming into an interesting age because we have believers, the faithful, will be saved, talks about. Then I love the end. Uh, Jesus talked about the gospel will be preached to all the ends of the world. So all those who want to predict all of this, you're going to put all these things in, in into consideration. The gospel is being preached to the ends of the, of the earth. But we don't know the extent of that. We just don't know. We know that that's why we have missionaries. That's why we need to support missionaries, I believe, to fulfill that prophecy. Number three. Scott is really going to get good here. So near and yet so far. From Matthew 24, 32, and 38. Now, friends, this one here, this, this passage here has created all sorts of controversy for theologians everywhere. From every age, it is amazing how 
probably, I think sometimes God just laughs at us as we try to just outsmart him. But this one is one that has really been a stickler for many theologians, okay? It's, it's the parable of the fig tree. Jesus said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. Right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever pass away. Let me ask you two, a two-part question here. Could it be possible these verses apply to us? Could it also be possible that if, that if our generations sees these signs that we might see Jesus soon. Many end-time theologians put these signs in and around the seven-year tribulation period. And boy, I know we're going into another direction. That is a, that is a I think, you know, last year, whatever, I did a, a series on the tribulation, whatever. That is another topic within itself. But many see this is the period of before the seven-year tribulation period. How do I feel about that? I really thought about that myself. And I, this is me. This is just me. Based on my own studies through the years, doing a lot of prayer and study, prayer and study, and a lot of mistakes. I, I agree with that. I agree because I believe we are in the birthing period I've seen pre-tribulation signs. For me, they're there. When the fig tree, when the fig tree leaves come out, summer's near. When the signs come out, means Jesus is near. However, before you run out the door, when we say Jesus is near, we need to don't get too wrapped up in that word near. Don't. You know, now go back to some thoughts about great thoughts. Some theologians say, okay, the, the fig tree, what that means is that, that's going to come to blossom in uh, 1948. It came to blossom in 48 when Israel became what? A state. So they said, that's the budding time. Okay, uh, Israel became a state. Now the time, the time the, in his coming is near. Then others will look at it, and you have to look at it. What does this generation mean? It can't mean when Jesus said this generation. It couldn't have meant his generation. Jesus hadn't died. You know? So he didn't return in their time. So obviously it wasn't for their generation. But it but does apply to, and I don't know how this works. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that Jesus meant this generation. When all these signs come to fulfillment will be that generation. Does that help you? Some of you look very confused and very frustrated. See, he said, when all these things happen, that's when the end will come. That's what we're waiting for. That is it. The Bible, uh, Bible prophecy predicts 
that Jesus will return for his church at any time. What's he talking about? The rapture. What is the rapture? I think we all know what it is, right? The rapture is when? Jesus will return in the sky, and he will what? He will gather all the believers in the grave, all the saints, and then after all the saints, all the believers that are living on this earth. Some confuse that. What they put in there, I don't know, this sounds more like a, like a theological class or something than a, than a preaching, but I think it's, there's some good things we need to understand about this. Many people think, well, there's going to be two. Jesus is going to return twice. Well, he's going to come back in the air, but he's not going to come to the earth at this time. He's going to gather us up to himself. Okay? So, does that make any sense to you? Becca, we're going to close with this. This is point four right here. Because um, I'm not getting any amens. I figure you, you, maybe some of you are thinking, well, maybe we could just, okay, there we go, amen. And that is COVID, yes or no or possible. We need to get back to the pandemic. I shouldn't have said it that way. It was too late. It just came out. It's there. Okay, Matthew 24, 8. Jesus said, listen to this. All these, and he was, he was referring to signs. All these signs are the beginning of birth pains. I believe our country, our world is in labor. These signs, pandemics, could increase with frequency and intensity. I believe that this pandemic, this COVID, is just the beginning. That's me, based on how I interpret the scriptures. But here's the question. Is the COVID-19 pandemic a judgment sign that we are approaching the end times? How do you feel about that? That's a question for you. Do you think, do you think that this COVID pandemic is a judgment sign that we're approaching the end times? I've heard various responses to that, and very good. My answer is, you know, people say maybe yes and maybe no. And that's kind of like riding the fence, isn't it? But I think it's very, 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 very possible, or at least at the very best, a sign that God is trying to get the world's attention by virtue of, of its global impact. This pandemic has affected the whole world. I have to believe in my own heart that God is trying to get our attention. He's sounding the alarm. He's sounding the alarm. But regardless, regardless of all what I've said today, we just need to stay calm. I think it was one of the Bush presidents said, just stay the And look for the signs. Jesus said, watch for the signs. That's all. Watch for them. And then you will know. Christian, you will know the signs. Because it's in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Look for the signs. I love that. Be strong and confident in the hope of knowing that Jesus Christ is always on time. Jesus Christ is always faithful.
He is always guiding, always encouraging, always loving, always comforting, and always caring. So, when you are visiting your neighbor, and these things come up, and you're talking about theology, whatever, you need to be the example and be cool and be calm. It's all going to happen. And I think it's exciting because we're, I think we're in it right now. That's all I'm going to say. I'm always watching the signs. In the meantime, we are to be Jesus' light, be his ambassadors. Not to be idle, but to be busy. You don't know what God would have you do as a Christian. Then you need to ask him. Ask him, what do you want me to do in times that we are in? God wants you to be active. He does. Also to be excited with the hope of knowing that Jesus is always on time. Amen. Would you guys stand with us?